0: A little different coming in from that side. I got a clear space. I like it. <laughs> that worked out good. <laughs> right. Um, we do have our house, to house, heart, to heart pamphlets in the back. We got the new ones a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but be sure you pick one of those up and pass those out to family or friends. And those are good things to to not only read from and study from, but it's also good for. Other people. I've heard of different stories of people that have just picked one up and been interested in the gospel and become Christians just because of, of receiving that pamphlet. So it's a, a good deal that we, we have those. Our lesson for today is going to conclude our series on building and strengthening faith. Today's lesson is entitled, The Will to Believe. As we look at faith, What we have learned this month is that faith is more than just belief, but faith is also doing God's will. And that's been kind of the theme of our scriptures on Facebook. If you've been following those, I started a devotional series on just scripture, just picking out scripture that has a theme to it. And this week's theme was on doing the will of God, not just believing, but how faith also leads to doing That's something that we've been studying very heavily this month. We understand that faith is what we live for and what gives us reason to live. Faith saves us from our sins and unrighteousness. And faith helps us to overcome the world and its ruler, Satan. As we looked at faith over the last few weeks. I believe the case has been well presented. But do you have the will to believe what the Bible teaches? And that's something that is a different story altogether. You see faith is not something that just falls on us. And it's kind of the same idea I was thinking of, of the idea of love. You know we have the idea that you fall in love but but there's more to love than falling in love. It's choosing to love. It's a choice that we make. There are people that we choose to love and care for, and there are some people that we may choose not to love and care for. The same way with faith. It's not something that just happens to us. It's not something that we just all of a sudden believe. It's something that we have to choose. Do you have the will to believe what the Bible teaches? Even more so, do you have the will to do what the Bible teaches? There are some people that understand. There are some people that attend church services regularly that don't choose to dedicate their lives to Christ. They think they have. They, They attend services and they think that's all there is. But they don't choose to live a life of faith. It's a choice. That we have to make. Do you have the will to believe and follow God? Our lesson objectives for this morning are to first of all determine whether or not it is reasonable to choose faith. As we look at what the Bible teaches, is it reasonable for us to choose to believe in God? Is it reasonable for us to choose to believe in His Son? Is it reasonable to choose to do the things that God has given to us? Our second objective is to strengthen our desire to serve God. Without a desire to serve God, what reason do we have to serve Him? We have nothing really. First of all, let's look at my faith is a reasonable choice. We look at scientists, we look at those that study different aspects of the world and different aspects of behavior and the mind and, and things of that nature. Scientists, they create a theory, that they have a theory and they go about trying to prove this theory. And though we might have the theory that, that maybe God exists, is it reasonable? Can we prove that God exists beyond a reasonable doubt? If there's doubt in our minds, then we haven't proven the theory. So if we look at this as a theory, is there evidence to prove that there is a God? Is there evidence to prove the things that are written in His Word? And if we don't have evidence, then, then we've proven nothing. My faith is a reasonable choice. There is evidence to prove that God exists. First of all, we have creation. And some of this is going to be reviewed. Some of this we've already went over in different parts of different lessons. But we understand that creation itself proves that God exists. Look at Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And the verse really continues on, the sentence really continues on. But since the creation of the world, it says here in verse 20, His invisible attributes are clearly seen. All we have to do is look at what He created. And we understand that God must have created it. Someone must have created it. What do we know of on earth that just comes by chance? Nothing. Everything comes because it is created. Why can't the world be the same? There's a theory that goes out that the world just came up in a big bang and there it was. I don't believe that. I don't believe you believe that. It doesn't make sense to me that everything has to be created except for the world. It doesn't make sense that the world would defy all aspects of of anything that we have knowledge of. Everything must have a creator. Why can't the world have a creator? Look around us and we see his invisible attributes. We see that That God exists. Even though we can't see Him, we see that He exists. It says that anybody who doesn't recognize these things, they're without excuse. It is so easy to see God in the world that they are without excuse. Genesis 1-1 tells us very clearly, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The sky above us, the ground beneath us, everything in between. God created. Creation proves His existence. Now is there evidence of His love and care for mankind you know, we, we think of different gods that people create in their minds, and, and there are some that are, are kind of mean in some ways. But we have evidence that God is a loving and caring God. Now, there are things that people will say, well, you know, why would He allow people to suffer, for instance? What kind of a loving, caring God would allow people to suffer? What kind of a caring God would allow people to be lost? That's not the God that I read about in the Bible. There were times where, yes, He he executed judgment against people for the things that they had done, but He's still a loving, caring God. First of all, we understand from man's creation that God is a loving and caring God. Go back to Genesis 1 verses 26 through 27, and look at how man is created in the image of God. <clears throat> Genesis 1:26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in His own image, In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. He didn't just create us like any other creature. He created us with dominion. He created us with love and care. He created us in his own image, his own spiritual image. We see his love and care and his patience with his people. Go back to the Old Testament. Go back to the book of Exodus and and look at how the Israelites complained about being in bondage to Egypt. And then when God brought them out of bondage, what did they do? They complained again because God had brought them out of bondage. They were out of Egypt and and they didn't have the things as easily as they did. The things they needed. Where are we going to get food and water? We had all those plentiful in Egypt. They complained. God could have destroyed them right then, but He didn't. He could have allowed them to be overtaken by the Egypt army. They were coming after them. And and God parted the waters of the Red Sea so that His people could get across. And allowed those waters to collapse on that army so that His people would be protected. God loved and cared for His people. Even though they complained many times against Him. He still loved and cared for them. And he had patience with them. They constantly turned away from him. They suffered the consequences of their actions and captivity to other nations. But still he was patient with them. And he allowed remnant to survive. God did everything he could to redeem his people including sacrificing His Son on our behalf. That shows love and care. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God wants us to believe and obey and He will reward us for our continued faith. That's love and care. So we have evidence that God created us. We have evidence that He loves and cares for His people. Do we have evidence of His Son's life on earth and death on the cross? There are many people who believe that Jesus hasn't come. That I believe he has. I, I believe in looking at the New Testament that we see evidence of Christ's life, evidence of, uh, of a purpose in his life, a purpose to save mankind. We look at how God's plan is revealed to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. Matthew 1, beginning with verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After His mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The purpose of Jesus coming to earth was to save God's people from their sins. We see God's plan revealed to Mary in Luke chapter 1. Luke 1 and verse 26 through 33. Luke 1, 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and bring forth a son. <clears throat> Excuse me. And shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. I believe that Jesus was born into this world as man. I believe in this purpose that that is presented here that that He was to redeem God's people. That He was to save God's people. I believe that He did those things. I believe that He fulfilled His purpose. I believe that God's plan was announced to His disciples. In John 2 and verse 19, Jesus answered And said to them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. There were many people that didn't understand what Jesus meant. But we see that in three days He arose from the grave. Matthew 26 and verse 2. You know that after two days is the Passover and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. I believe that He did. I believe that He was crucified so that He might be raised up. So that He might be victorious over sin, over death. I believe that through Him we are victorious as well. The reason is presented in Luke 24 and verse 44. Then He said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Jesus lived. He died. He was resurrected to fulfill the words that had been prophesied a long time before He came to this world. I believe that. I believe we have plenty of evidence to present all of these things and prove that they are so. Do you also will to believe these things and the evidence as it is presented? Must have a will to believe. We must also have desire. The desire to live by faith. We have the will to believe. We also have a desire within us to do those things that God wants us to do. Some have a desire for things of the world. These are things that we are warned against. Look at 1 John chapter 2 verses 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Do not have a desire for temporary things. Instead we are warned to place our desire, our pleasure, our treasure in things above. So many people get entangled in things of the world, the lusts of it. But do not be conformed to this world. Let's look at the scribes for a moment in Mark chapter 12 verses 38 through 40. We are not to be as the scribes. Mark 12 verse 38, And he said to them in his teaching, Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, love, greetings in the marketplace, the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at feasts who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. The scribes were looked up to. They were a part of this group that that should have known Scripture better than anyone else. But their desire was more about recognition than serving God. We're not to be as the scribes. We don't want to seek fame and fortune here in this life. That's not our desire. But instead we are told to desire the things of God. Desiring the things of God helps us to live a life of faith. What do we desire? What should we desire? First of all, Desire righteousness. Desire righteousness. Mark six, thirty three, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Matthew five and verse six Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be filled. Desire righteousness. How are we righteous? In this flesh, in looking at ourselves alone, we cannot be righteous. We can only be made righteous through the blood of Christ. Through our obedience to the plan of salvation. When His blood covers us, he covers our sins, then we can be found righteous in God. But otherwise, we cannot, cannot be righteous. So it's only through Christ that we are righteous. We desire righteousness. We seek righteousness above all else. Desire knowledge of God's Word. Proverbs 1 and verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fear the Lord. Not to be afraid of Him, but fear Him in respect. Respect for what He can do, the power that He has, the dominion that He has over us as His creation. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Once we respect Him, we have a respect for His Word, We will seek His Word. We will seek to do the things that are written in His Word. We will seek a life of righteousness. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. They have no desire to serve God. They have no desire to do any of the things that are written in His Word. Don't be as fools Fear the Lord, seek knowledge. 1 Peter 2, verses 1 through 3. 1 Peter 2 and verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Laying aside all of these things of the world. As newborn babes. Desire the pure milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Eventually, we mature as Christians, and we're able to feast on the the meat of the Word, but begin with a desire for God's Word, Begin with a desire for the pure milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. Desire, knowledge of God's Word. I remember hearing a story a few years ago of a woman who read a book and didn't particularly like the book. I don't know that she got through the first chapter. And she put it aside and never touched it again until... Sometime later, she met a man. And she grew to love that man. She picked up the book that she didn't particularly care for and read it from cover to cover. The man that she had met, the man that she had come to love, was the author of that book. What changed was her love for the author. That's the same way with us when we read the Word of God. If we have a respect for God, you know, there are some hard things to read in the Bible. I, I, I don't dispute that at all. There are many things I myself don't understand. But when we come to love the author of the book, our desire for it grows. Our desire for the knowledge and the wisdom that comes from the instruction that is given us grows because of our love for the author. Once we have learned we should desire to do His will. The desire of Christ is that we believe and become one in Him. John 17, verses 20 through 23 is part of Jesus' prayer before His crucifixion. In John 17, verse 20, He said, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in Me through their word, that they all may be one as You, Father, are in me, and I in you. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them. That they may be one just as we are one, I and them, and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. In respect of our desire for God to serve Him, I think we also need to understand the desire of Christ. His desire was that we be one in God, one with each other, just as God and His Son and the Spirit are one, so we are to be one with them. How? How are we one with God? We are one with Him through our obedience to the plan of salvation. Once we become Christians, once we've obeyed the gospel through faith, repentance, confession, and baptism for the remission of sins, we are in Christ. And we are one with Him. And it takes a great deal of effort on our part to remain as one with God because we slide this pull from the world. We have temptations. We still have our fleshly desires and And it's easy for us to go after them instead. But we remain one in Him by continuing to live a faithful life. Jesus' desire before His death, and especially in being crucified and suffering the things that He did on our behalf, was to reconcile us with God. He's done his part. He shed his blood on our behalf. He gave his life for us. So that we might be one with God. Are you reconciled to God? Are you a faithful Christian? Is there something that needs to change in your life? Do you need to become a Christian or do you need to rededicate your life to Christ? Do you have any need whatsoever? We give you the opportunity as together we stand, as we sing.